Come on, give it up for our kids' team. So talented, and all those that serve in so many different rooms. I'm sometimes I think the most important ministry that happens isn't in the big rooms, it's in the little rooms. And uh, so thank you for all of our kids' team. And we can't wait for VBS and all that's coming up around the corner. Before we dive into the message, uh, we're in a series called Power for Today, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in just a second. But I always love to look in the camera in the back of the room and say good morning to the chapel in Richmond in Scott's Edition. We have an incredible uh, campus there. God doing amazing things in Scott's Edition. And uh, also we get a joy of streaming live into the um, Chesterfield County Jail and Virginia Department of Corrections. So I want to look in the camera and say happy Mother's Day to everybody in uh, Chesterfield County Jail. The women there in the house, we love you in harp and uh, all all of um, Virginia Department of Corrections. Come on, Midlothian, help me welcome everybody here today. Amen. Amen. Just want to say one thing. Can we welcome Chapel in the lobby? Come on, I know we got one lobby and we got two lobbies. We're so appreciative of you and uh, just to give you a little update, we're making incredible progress. Thank you for your amazing generosity. And next, we're a little bit, so here's the great news. We're a little bit ahead of, ahead of giving. And so how many are thankful to God for that? Uh, so that's the good news. You ready for the bad news? Come on. Prices are going up a little. So we're going to make this happen and uh, making progress on that. We can't wait to share exciting updates there. Also looking at an additional location in the fall to make space here in Midlothian. So thank you for your, um, just for your patience. Honestly, we know it's a whole deal and uh, there's not a day that goes by that we're not thinking of fixing this problem. But I just want to say to everybody in both um, overflows, we see you. We're thankful for your uh, patience with us and we're going to fix this and make more space for God to do what God's going to do. So thank you for that. That. And we had an incredible uh, freedom conference this weekend too, and uh, that's just an, a whole set of small groups. And, and so Friday night, all day Saturday, just hours of prayer, hours of reciting scripture, and just so thankful for what God does, not only in our big rooms, but in our little rooms um, all over all over our church. Let me tell you just two things, and then I'll dive into the message. Women, we wanted to give you a morning with a little alone time, and so we got a men's breakfast coming up. Would you help us sign up for that? We're going to really roll out some exciting ministry thing for guys and men's breakfast around here. I grew up in a church where men's breakfast was like a dozen guys in a side room, but men's breakfast around here is, uh, is, is a couple hundred guys that gather to worship and from every generation and, uh, and, and tons of bacon. So take your cholesterol meds and we'll be together. Men's breakfast, sign up for that. Let us know. And then just keep this on your radar. We're going to blitz this community uh, Saturday, July 15th. We're calling it Serve Day. Somebody say Serve Day. And, and one of the things we want to do on chapelrva.com slash serve is if you're a, a single mom, a widow, and you have any needs that you want to submit a project, if you go to chapelrva.com slash serve, there's a chance for you, single moms or widows, to submit projects to us, and then we're going to find people that can do them, okay? And uh, I'm, I'm not going to be there because I'm not good at anything, really. Uh, uh, pretty much what I'm doing is the only thing I can do. And, uh, uh, but we have incredibly gifted people in our church, and, uh, and they, they, we would love to just serve you. And so whether it's oil change or, or a project at your home or deck or – I mean, we don't, like, we, we don't do three-bedroom addition. You know what I mean? But 
but, but if you can think of it, we want to do it. We want to serve you. So please don't hesitate to write that down. And then our team will, uh, will partner with you and just bless you uh, because of the generosity of our church. But write that down, serve day. It's going to be an all play. We're going to do tons of projects in this community and uh, we can't wait for it. Well, um, I want to I start with this. A group of kids were asked this question. Uh, why did God make mothers? Okay. And one, one little girl said this. Why did God make mothers? Because she's the only one who knows where the scotch tape is. <laughs> why did God make mothers? I love this one. Think about it. It was the best way to make more people. Just think about it, you know. Best way. <laughs> Uh, and that's so good. Uh, why did God make mothers to help us out when we were getting born? That's a little too much info. Come on. <laughs> I love this question. Here it is. Uh, why did God give you your mother and not some other mom? Why did God give you your mother? Because we're related. <laughs> Duh. You know, we're, why did God give you your mother and not some other mom? Here it is. Because God knew she likes me a lot more than other people's moms like me. And that's so good. <laughs> I love this question. Why did your mom marry your dad? Okay. Because she, she's too old to do anything else with him. That's not right. I love, why did your mom marry your dad? Because my grandma says she didn't have her thinking cap on. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them Happy Mother's Day. Come on, tell them that. Come on in the lobby, say Happy Mother's Day, Scott's edition. <laughs> well, uh, we have a gift for you on the way out today in a photo booth and all kinds of ways. We're just trying to make uh, today as special as we can be for you. So thank you for being here. I know it's a day with a lot of guests as well. And we're in this series called Power for Today, where we're just going through a New Testament book of Acts. And it's where God sent his power to come into our lives and change us. And, and it's in the book of Acts. It's the story of the early church. And, and, and today we're going to look at kind of the start of the missionary journey, the second missionary journey of the Apostle Paul, and learn a few principles I think will really help us together. It's at it starts this missionary journey. In fact, if you have a Bible with like maps at the back, you'll sometimes see maps that say Paul's missionary journeys and in different color arrows and stuff. And that's where we're at. And it, it, the missionary journey, interestingly, doesn't begin with a miracle. <laughs> It doesn't begin with a big uh, red phone moment from heaven. It just begins when Paul turns to Barnabas and says, hey, what if you think, think this? Let us go back. And what if we visited the believers in all the towns where we preached the word of the Lord and just see, see how they're doing? Okay. He makes a wise decision. How many know sometimes in life God speaks to you supernaturally, but sometimes in life you've got to just make a wise decision. Come on. And it's amazing to me, throughout the book of Acts, there's a lot of miracles. And in this church, we believe that God can do miracles. Come on. In this church, we believe God can do miracles. Amen. Right? And we see that in, in the early church in Acts 2, the wind and the fire and the filling of the Holy Spirit. And Acts 3, God heals a man who can't walk. And, and Acts 9, God touches Paul's life. Acts 13, the first missionary journey, he supernaturally, like with lightning from the sky, says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to the work I called them to. But on the second missionary journey, there's no lightning. <laughs> and there's no big, big, no big, the saith the Lord. Like none of that. It's just Paul turns to his friend Barnabas and he, he thinks, what if we, you know, we started all these churches. And what if we, what if we uh, 
went back and visited them. And I'm, I think both are part of God's leadership in our life, both the supernatural parts of our life and the just general leading in, in our life. And, and I think we need to have both. In fact, I really believe that how God leads you once it once isn't how he'll lead you every time. How many know that's life, right? Sometimes we'll do something big and bold and courageous and you just know this is God's will for me. And sometimes he'll just lead us through the ordinary examples of life. And God, God leads us through, through miracles and God leads us through subtle ways. I remember I was uh, 16 years old after my first date with Katie. I called my friend and I said, call Katie and ask her how that date went. And... Uh, I'm not, I don't have time to tell you how bad it really was, but my friend Mike called Katie and, and Katie said, uh, it didn't go good. I'm not really into him, all that kind of stuff. And I was waiting for my friend to call me back. So I called him again. He was on call waiting. He clicked over. He don't want to hurt my feelings. And so I said, how did the date, how did the date go with Katie? How did she feel like it went? And he said, I think you're golden. Okay. My friend said he didn't want to lie to me, so he just said a different phrase, you're, you're golden. And here's what happened to me. I was a shy kid who was 16. I thought to myself, man, if she liked that, I can do a lot better. And so God used a lie in my life to give me the perseverance to pursue my wife. In fact, we had been kind of dating, talking. I don't know what you call it when you're 16, uh, going out, which means we weren't going anywhere. you know. And uh, but I remember she said to me, well, I'm confused. I'm not sure I'm really, uh, you know, she's kind of, she's trying to break up with me. And I just said, well, that's okay. Take your time. I'm, baby, I ain't going anywhere. I'm just going to be, you just turn around. I'm going to be subtly here. You know what I mean? Like not in a stalking way. I'm not saying that, but I just believe that the, that the perseverance of the Lord in my life would wear her down. Come on. And luckily she had a mercy date. Come on, 23 years later, four kids later. Come on, how many think I did pretty good? So that, here's what I'm saying. <laughs> Sometimes God leads you in a supernatural way. Other ways you're just like, I think I want that. And God sometimes uses wise decisions. In fact, Paul and Barnabas, they just make a wise decision. We started all these churches. Why don't we go check on them? And that's how God leads them. And I think sometimes in our life, we're tempted to think that because God's done something in the past, he has to recreate it in the present. And I'm thankful for all the things he's done in the past. But how many know you can't live life in reverse? You have to live life in the forward motion. And I'm thankful, but the challenge is when we try to recreate what God did in the past, in the present, sometimes you have to let God be God in our present, right? And Paul and Barnabas just make a wise decision. And, they, and I think there's something about just making wise decisions, just being in motion. Too many times as a pastor, I meet somebody who says, like, I, I, I really need a job, but until God tells me what job to get, I'm not gonna take a job, you know? And it's like, well, after a few months, you might have to take a job because you just might have to, you know, I had a friend of mine in Bible college. He wanted a girlfriend. Katie and I were married. He said, how did I get a girlfriend? I said, well, you wear sweatpants a lot and you work out and you smell a lot. So you should dress up a little and, and you should shower a little. And he said, well, don't you think God can bring someone in my life like this? And I was like, no, I don't. I think I have to help him out. You know, like, 
How many know there's common sense and wisdom, right? And so I'm all for the great leading of God in the supernatural ways of our life. But sometimes we just have to make a wise decision. Trust the hand of God. The way God led me in the past isn't necessarily how he led me in the future. And it's interesting. The second missionary journey begins with conflict. And I thought about not even preaching this on Mother's Day. Because Mother's Day is the day that we all pretend everything is perfect. We get our shirts and we steam them. And we, we got mom. How many know families are messy? Come on, somebody. And in fact, the early church started like this. And they had such a sharp disagreement, Paul and Barnabas, that they parted company. It was over whether or not to restore John Mark to their ministry. Paul thought, well, you know, uh, the best indicator of the future is the past. This guy bailed on us. Leave him. Barnabas thought, well, everybody needs a second chance. And they got in a disagreement. I wonder if anybody's ever been in a disagreement in the room. You ever met that couple that we're like, they're like, we've been married 30 years. We've never argued. Come on. I'm just like, well, one of you is walking all over the other one. I'm just telling you right now. Okay. Cause we haven't argued either today. You know what I mean? Actually, that's not true. And, and here's what I want to tell you from this missionary journey that a rocky start doesn't mean it's a crash landing in life. Okay. The missionary journey begins with division, but God works even in the imperfect humanity of life. And God's going to establish some things and, and make some things happen. And I think too often in life, we, we, uh, we draw the conclusion that early challenges are a sign that God's not with us, right? My daughter told me, I don't think God wants me to take this math class because it's hard. No, baby, he does want you to take it. And I know it's hard, but that's part of life is learning to deal with hard, right? Learning to live. How many know sometimes God just creates the incline in our life to develop spiritual maturity and perseverance in our life and wisdom? And I wish it was all lived downhill, you know, with just easy, you know, you watch the preacher on TV who stands up on the stage and he's like, if you just send me $1,000, you'll never be sick and never have a problem and you'll, you'll make it to heaven. And he's, he always has a mullet and, and they just preaches. I shouldn't have said that. I don't know why I said that. There's no reason for that. And you think to yourself, I really don't know why I did. And you think to yourself, no, part of life is God. I mean, James 1, 2, but don't consider it strange. But consider it pure joy when you go through trials of many kind, knowing that they develop testing and perseverance. And so happy Mother's Day. God's at work even in the challenging moments of our life. Even in the How many know God's not only at work in Acts chapter 3 when people are getting healed and there's wind and fire and, and Chris Tomlin there, you know what I mean? But, but God's at work in the middle of disagreements and uncertainty and day-to-day -day life. How many know God's at work in the sanctuary and he's at work at the job site, right? He's at work in the ordinariness of our life. In fact, Paul gets moving. And I want you to see this. And this next verse is for everyone who's bad at directions. Come on, just raise your hand. You're here this weekend and you're bad at directions. Come on, that didn't work. If you're sitting next to someone who's bad at directions, just raise your hand. Okay, three times more people. Now you know you are. You're like, I didn't even know that. So they get started. Watch this. And Paul and his companions traveled. Now, let me just say this. They're walking. So I'm going to read a quick verse. 
and then I'm gonna tell you how far they're walking, okay? Because we read a verse like this and we're like, big deal. No, 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 they're about to, in these next three verses, walk 1,450 miles. Now, I don't know about you, if I go upstairs and, I, and I'm back down, I'm like, you should have told me while I was up there, you know? <laughs> 1,450, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Look at this, having been kept by the Holy Spirit, from preaching the word in the province of Asia, okay? And when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but look at this, the spirit of Jesus would not allow. Does anyone believe that God not only leads us through open doors, but he leads us through closed doors? They tried to preach here, it didn't work. So they try to go in their ministry from Antioch to Lystra, about 700 miles, Lystra to Galatia, Galatia to Troas, and Bithynia, Mysia. When you add all the different spots they go, most scholars say they've walked about 1,450 miles. So if you're the guy walking with Paul and he's like, let's go again, you're like, bro, we've been walking like 1,450 miles. And if the Holy Spirit forbids us in another spot, we're going to have a problem, you know? And here's, here's the point, God leads, through, God leads through closed doors. In fact, maybe just write this down this week, and I think this is true, that not knowing where you're going doesn't mean you aren't going anywhere. How many would admit there are moments in life that you don't exactly know where to go? But do you know God leads us through open doors, but he also leads us through closed doors? How many know we don't like closed doors? We live in a culture of tell me yes, Give it to me now, you know. I need, I don't like God closing doors. But how many know God closes doors for a reason? One of my sons made a stupid decision in the last two weeks. And I'll tell you about it when a little more time has passed. But uh, I said to him, why didn't you ask me about this? He said, because I thought you would have told me not to do it. And I said, looking back now, what do you think? He said, I think that would have been helpful. <laughs> I said, I think so too. So give me your phone. You know how it goes. And here's the point in life. God leads us through open doors, but he sometimes leads us through closed doors, right? Come on, that guy you thought you should marry, he broke up with you in 11th grade and you saw him on Facebook today and thank the Lord he closed that door. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Heartbroken one day, like, come on. You're like, wow, thank God. I'd be dismembered in Arkansas today had I married him, you know. I'm saying a lot of things on Mother's Day I shouldn't. Not knowing where you're going doesn't mean you aren't going anywhere. In fact, I think it's true in our life that God uses not only open doors, but sometimes he uses closed doors in our lives to lead us and to guide us and to protect us. And we need to invite him not only to open doors in our life, but to close doors in our life and to trust him in those seasons that where he's leading us, sometimes with the bright green, here you go moments, and sometimes with the red, don't you dare, and both are part of his providential care for us. Both are, and having that kind of spirituality brings you to, to a sense of maturity. So finally, Paul's uncertain where to go, and he has this supernatural moment in Acts 16. Some think it's a messenger, some believe it's an angel, but this person appears to him and says, Come help us in Macedonia. And so Paul travels to Philippi, which will be where they'll plant a church. And, 
And this is eventually where, uh, where the, they'll write the book of Philippians, the, the epistle of joy to that church. But when Paul gets to Philippi, there is no man of Macedonia, no big church. There's only a small group of women praying uh, on the Sabbath at the, at the river there. They're, they're not even at a synagogue. They're at the river praying. But how many know God, used small, God uses small groups of praying people? Anybody believe that? And he shows up in what looks like it isn't even a real deal. God establishes something so strong in the city of Philippi. In fact, we have the book of Philippians. And when I think of the book of Philippians, I think of probably the the New Testament book that is quoted more than any other book in the New Testament. And in fact, the Apostle Paul, in this moment of difficulty, when he gets to... When he gets to Philippi, long story short, God uses a woman named Lydia to be the base of operation. She's a businesswoman. But then they they cast a demon out of a, a servant girl who has the power supposedly to tell the future. That her owners get angry, beat Paul and Silas, and throw them in jail. It's like the it's like the whole missionary journey is like it started with a fight. <laughs> We got lost for a while. God made us walk all over the world. Finally send us somewhere and then they beat us up. How many know this is like a bad season of life? And yet in the middle of this, they keep walking and keep trusting. And out of this will come the letter of Philippians, which is the most quoted, I think, letter of... Watch, I'll show you how many verses are quoted in the book of Philippians. Uh, Philippians says stuff like this. Being confident of this, he who began a good work in me will carry it on to the day of Christ Jesus. Anybody thankful for that, right? The book of Philippians says something like this. For me to live is Christ and to die... Come on, somebody help me out. Is to die is gain, right? I mean, it's, it says... Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who also, who, even though he existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. A servant was obedient unto death, and God exalted him that at the name of Jesus. How I many know this verse? Every knee will bow, and every tongue will come on what? Confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of what? God the Father. It's the book uh, uh, Philippians 3.10. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. It's Philippians 3.12. But pressing, one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. It's Philippians 4.1. I love this one. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, come on, somebody. Rejoice! Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, 4, 6. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request be known to God. And the peace of God. How many thankful for the peace? And the peace of God will guard your heart. And then he says, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's of good report. If there's anything praiseworthy, think on such thing. Come on, it's Philippians 4, 13. I can do. Hold on, we're going to say this together. Come on. I can do things through Christ. It's Philippians 4, 19. My God shall supply all my needs according. How many are thankful for the word of the living God, right? Like All of those verses come out of a season of dark suffering for the apostle Paul. And we wouldn't have them today unless they understood this principle. And we should understand it too. That being knocked down doesn't mean, doesn't mean what, uh, being knocked out. Come on. You remember Rocky Balboa's uh, coach, Mickey? I almost showed the clip, but there was cursing in it. And I thought, although I've done everything else on Mother's Day. <laughs> Get up. Mickey loves you. 
I didn't hear no bell. <laughs> I'm just telling you, sometimes in life, the victory only comes through dark, simple moments where we choose to trust God, even in painful circumstances. And the apostle Paul and Silas are beaten and they're thrown in a Philippian jail. And in that moment when they should have been bitter and frustrated with God, they choose to be worshipers instead. Would you just write this down? I think it's so true. There are moments in life when we have to make the conscious decisions not to become bitter, but to be worshipers. In fact, the longer I lead, the more I'm convinced that it's not what happens to us that can ruin people's lives. It's our response to what happens to us. And sometimes what happens to us, I'm not saying it's right, it's wrong, it's unfair, all that. But when we hold on to it and we nurse our wounds and we let hurt turn into anger and anger turn into bitterness and bitterness turn into unforgiveness, it, it continually punishes us. So the offense that someone did to us is started it, but then the ongoing bitterness and unforgiveness is what really destroys us. And Paul and Silas could have been bitter, Paul could have been bitter at Barnabas. Bitter at the early church, bitter at God for not leading and guiding them and protecting them. But in the middle of all of it, uh, Acts 16, 25 simply says, um, about midnight, Paul and Silas were singing hymns of praise to God. How many know there are times in life we just have to be people that sing hymns of praise to God? They chose to forgive I want to encourage you this weekend. If there's something you're holding on to in your life, let it go. Come on. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> Don't nurse it. Don't regurgitate on it. Don't meditate on it. Learn what Jesus taught us to pray in his prayer. Father, forgive me even as I forgive others, right? To the same extent I offer forgiveness to others, would you forgive me? And it's amazing to me because when you read Acts 16, 25, you would think that if you read it for the first time, you would think in that moment that Paul and, Bar uh, Paul and Silas are gonna be frustrated with God, angry at God. Where are you leading in this life? Why isn't it smoother? Why isn't it easier? Why isn't it better? But no, 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 in their moment of suffering, they chose to lift a song of praise to God. Man, I, I won't share it long, but so many of you have reached out to us. We, um, Katie's dad passed away early, early hours on Thursday morning. They moved here two months ago. The long story, what we thought was dementia was a brain tumor, very serious surgery, 83 years old, didn't come out of it the way we hoped. And I'm telling you, Wednesday afternoon, my whole family and a little bit of our team gathered in a hospital room knowing we had just days or hours, we didn't know how long, but Ron's life was um, towards the end. And we just sang, we brought a guitar and we just sang songs of worship. My favorite part was the nurses coming in and out. They don't know what to do. They're like, okay. we're like, come on, you know, you're good. But we're just gonna keep praising and worshiping. And they're, they're caring and so, so kind. By the way, I'm so thankful for medical community, those that serve us. Can we honor them today in hard times? Amazing people. But there's a moment we're singing songs and my kids just unprompted began to sit at the side of my father-in-law's bed and we just sang and we worshiped. And if you're new to church, you wouldn't remember. There's an old worship song years ago called Days of Elijah. Anybody remember Days of Elijah? All right, so this is a side note, but 
my father-in-law used to love the song Days of Elijah, but he had hand motions with the song. So there's a, song, a line in the song that says, at the trumpet call. So he'd do this trumpet thing. And then he, he, he had these, uh, he was like a big kid. He had these symbols. And so whenever they would visit our church that I used to pastor in New York, Katie would say, you need to get that song set and make sure there ain't no Days of Elijah. Because I don't need my dad playing the trumpet, air trumpet in church, you know. So <laughs> I'd mentioned it. We were just getting ready to end. And Pastor Joel says, hey, you know what's the last song I had? I had that old song, Days of Elijah. I thought my father-in-law was going to sit up and air trumpet it right then. <laughs> and I don't know how to describe why people sing with joy in the middle of dark time. I don't know how to describe how God is attracted to us in our moments of darkness and pain. But somehow a spirit of rejoicing filled that room. In fact, my mother-in-law said, um, as we walked out, she said, we just had Ron's memorial service in that room. I feel like that was just God's presence. And it was almost like he knew it was time. And a few hours later, he went to meet his Lord. And How many know you can have a song that sings even in the dark, even in the night? And Paul and Silas in a Philippian jail uncertain of what the future would have, they chose to offer words of praise and worship. And you know what? This is the hinge moment for the whole second missionary journey. If they don't do this, if they give up on their faith, most of the written New Testament never happens. Most of the gospel to Ephesus and Berea and Rome never happens. The whole Grecian world. <laughs> There's a great pastor. He's passed away now. Dr. Paul Hackett, one of the great African-American preachers of the last generation. He tells the story in Acts 16 of Paul and Silas in, uh, in the Philippian jail. I'm going to do my best Dr. Hackett impersonation. Just like, He was kind of like one of these, oh, well, here you go. I'm just going to do a little bit of it. Is that okay? I'll ask this side. Is that okay? Okay. He, Dr. Hackett would say something like this if he painted the picture of Acts 16. He would say, it was dark in a Philippian jail. It was so dark that if you held your hand in front of your face, you couldn't even see it for how dark it was. And Paul leaned his back against a post with his feet fastened in stocks. He edged his back against the post to get relief from the stinging pain from the stripes that were laid upon his back from the beating that had happened to him the day before. Rats scampered across broken pottery on the floor of that prison cell and a man beside him was there. The moan happened. <laughs> Silas, are you there? Paul yelled. Silas said, how are you doing, brother Paul? I love how Dr. Haggett, he goes like this. He goes, and Paul said, well, I feel a hallelujah coming on. And Silas says, well, Paul, if you, if, you, if you sing, I'll join in. And the song began, the song of praise, in the middle of that dark Philippian jail. And the song went across the room and out into the dungeon hallway and down the corridor to the other rooms and up to the grate in the night. And it rose over Philippi and over Greece, up through the clouds, into the hemisphere and into the stratosphere and into the ionosphere and up into the reaches of heaven. The song rose to the very throne of God. And God said, what's that song I hear? And the angel said, heaven's filled with music, God. What do you mean, what's that song I hear? And God said, no, this song is different. 
It's a song of people praising me in the moment of pain. And God leaned over on his throne to get a look. This isn't biblical, but it sure preaches, okay? God leaned over to get a little bit of a better sound on the song that was being sung. And because heaven is God's throne and earth is his footstool, God started hearing the song and he started tapping his feet. And when God tapped his feet because his throne and the earth is his footstool, there was an earthquake in Philippi and the jail doors burst open (laughs) and Paul and Silas walked forward. Here's what I'm saying to you today. The entire second missionary journey was not a theological plan or a strategic evangelism plan. It sprang from from two guys who in a moment of darkness refused to let the song die. They lifted up praise and worship even in dark moments of life. And because of that, it became the key to the future of the church. And God used it to bring hope and life to other people. And I think the same is true for you and I. How many know that's true, right? It's whether or not we'll keep the song alive. So just write this down and then we're done here this weekend. What happens in you is more important than what happens to you. So just keep the song. Just keep the song. Come on, say that with me. Just what? Just keep keep the song. (laughs) The song of praise, the song of thanksgiving, the song of worship. In the middle of a second missionary, and this will be a hinge point. Read the book of Acts forward gospel's going to explode into Ephesus major port hub into Corinth, into eventually Rome and eventually all the way to us because two guys in a moment of pain and darkness kept their song of praise and worship alive. Just because you're knocked down doesn't mean you're knocked out. God uses the setbacks for setups. He accomplishes his purpose and plan through the dark, uphill, inclined moments of our life to create transformation in our life. Anybody believe that? And that's our hope today. Would you bow with me all over this room? Would you bow with me in the lobbies and in Scott's edition and in the jail. If you're here today, I won't embarrass you, I promise, but man, this would be such a great day on a holiday like this if you don't know Jesus. This past week I thought, I don't know how if you don't know Jesus you make it through some of the seasons of life. And you're here today, the whole story of the Bible is God who came rescuing us through his grace and his son to forgive our sins. And all you have to do is open your heart to him. Nobody's looking around. I won't embarrass you, I promise. But if you're here today in any lobby or in this room or in Scott's edition in the jail, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure my heart is right with God. Or maybe you wandered away from God and today's your day to say, I want to come home to him. Would you just raise your hand quick and put it right back down? Yes, sir, I see that. Anybody else? Pray, yes, I see that in the back. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. Say, Pastor, I'm not sure where I'm at. Yep, thank you. Over there, yes, I see that. Yes, sir, thank you. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure where I'm at in my relationship with God. And today I want to get my heart right with him. One last time, not being emotional, I'm just giving an opportunity for people to respond. Right where you're seated, you say, God, I know you died on a cross and you rose from the dead. And today I invite you into my life fully take over. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for taking away my sin. You said, if I confess my sin, You'd be faithful and just to forgive my sin and to cleanse me. So would you cleanse me today from all unrighteousness? And by your grace, I confess you Savior and Lord. 
And by your strength, I'll live for you all the days of my life. For I pray it in Jesus' name. Hey, chapel, a bunch of people took steps of faith. Can we tell them we're proud of them today? Proud of you. We're going to be done in just two minutes, but I wonder if we could just take a second, kind of win that thought, to keep the song alive, to just lift a, not even a full song, but just that part of that song we said, how great is your love. Would you stand in the lobby, stand in this room?